You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? This is Ty Daubert. I'm here as your host of the Phillies Nation podcast. This is our second episode. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Johnny Heller. Johnny, how you doing today? Not too bad, Ty. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'd be a little bit better if the Phillies would, you know, hire a manager. But it mm. seems that seems that we'll have a conclusion on that within the next couple of days. We'll get into that on this on this episode of our pod. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about though is the Phillies have hired a new scouting director. Johnny, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so Brian Barber, uh, he was a, first he was a scout with the Yankees, just an area scout, and then he was the East Coast cross-checker, and then for the past eight years or so, he's been their national cross-checker. His claim to fame, almost, is uh, he was a big reason that, why he played a big part in the Yankees taking uh, Aaron Judge, um, drafting him, and so, you know, I think the Phillies are just trying to bring someone from a smart organization like the Yankees in to really revamp um, the whole drafting process in this organization. Yeah, so the thing about about Barber is, you know, a lot of people wanted they wanted him to come in uh, coming from a smart organization like the Yankees, like you said. But to be honest, something we discussed uh, just a little bit ago is the Yankees have not drafted particularly well like of course they have guys like judge but a lot of what a lot of the talent that they have is actually in the international market it feels like and from what i've seen it doesn't seem like like barbara was really too much involved in that type of working so could you tell me whether you really think he'll be that much of a difference as opposed to the old man in charge johnny amaraz yeah i mean like you said the yankees a lot of their great pieces have come from uh the international market so really do we know like like i said he, his claim to fame is he he played a big part in them deciding to take but other than that you know they haven't drafted great we'll see obviously but i'm not i'm not as sold on him as a lot of other other people have been um over the past few days yeah i i really do agree with that a lot of people thought that bringing in almaraz uh, the last scouting director before he stepped down from the Phillies, they thought that he would make this huge impact in the international market as he was involved in the signings of guys like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies. And from what we can see, there has not been that much of a change so far for the Phillies. You know, they're, they're not bringing in these international superstars, your Juan Sotos, your Ronald Acuna Juniors, guys like that. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the type of difference that that Barber can make, but I'm not expecting him to come in and really make that huge of a difference, but hopefully he can slowly kind of get this scouting department and player development development department uh, in in better shape because, as we all know, the Phillies definitely need that. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been pretty horrible over the last 10 years, so... Ten, only the last better. 10 years? All right, maybe past 20 years. Maybe the last 150 years or however Honestly, long they've been an organization. Good point. good point. You know, most losses in professional sports history, so it's not like they've been developing Listen, too no many big good deal, players. No big deal, just, you know, leading, leading 
all professional sports. It's, yeah. yeah, but so we we kind of touched on on that one job opening that has since been filled, but the Phillies do indeed have another big job opening in what is that in their organization? You know, Phillies manager Gabe Kapler was fired last week or two weeks ago, um, and they've been conducting some interviews over the last few weeks now. Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, and Joe Girardi. We we talked about them last podcast. They seem to be the finalists for this Phillies manager job, and it really seems, especially over the last uh, the last couple of days, that Joe Girardi is the guy that the Phillies really want. And you know, he's been in, according to Jim Salisbury and, and John Clark, that he he's been with the Phillies for two interviews now, and that's Girardi, and he really is looking like the guy. So, can you tell me what you think about Joe Girardi, and whether you think? He'll be the manager of the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all in on Joe Girardi, you know, especially putting him up against those other two guys. Not not crazy about either Showalter or or Baker. And I think um, Girardi did a really good job in New York. And um, obviously, Phillies aren't the only team after him, so and that's for good reason. He's a really good manager, um, and I'm I'm all for him. I can I would hope that they can get him, but. Um, like I said, other teams after him. He has an interview with the Mets tomorrow. The one thing that plays to the Phillies' advantage, they've already had two meetings with him, and they're trying to get this done quickly. The Mets are kind of taking their time, interviewing a few different guys. Um, so hopefully, Phillies can play that to their advantage and and pick him up. Yeah, like you said, he is interviewing with the Mets again. I believe I that was reported by uh, Joel Sherman. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's where I saw it. Um, yeah, I th- I think that the Mets probably want Girardi the most as well, but they they're keeping their options open. I keep seeing that they have kind of this mystery guy that's in line for their manager job. Yeah, bombshell, bombshell. Yeah, they they. Yo, have... If it's if it's Brody, I'd lose my mind. But there's no chance it's Brody. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not Brody, but like, it should should be. I mean, he was you know he was making. He wanted to be manager this season. He was calling down to Mickey Calloway and making the decisions mid-game, remember, right? Remember uh, GM of the Marlins put himself in the dugout a couple years ago? No, Mike who Redmond, was that? Right? Didn't he? Oh, Didn't yeah. He do that? Who was it? Mike Redmond? Yeah, yeah, it was Mike yeah. Redmond. He was the GM, and then he... What a baller move. Imagine Clintac in the dugout. I mean, uh, you know, Turner did that how many years ago for for the uh, Braves? Well yeah. before, Well before we were alive, I believe. But he did. He was the owner of the team. I'm pretty yeah. sure, and he and he decided. <laughs> well, you know, Connie Mack. I mean, <laughs> owner, GM, manager. You know, I think that. Why doesn't John Middleton just make himself? The I was going to say it's probably everything John Middleton aspires to be. It's Connie Mack. John Middleton. You know, he couldn't. He couldn't wear the hat though. I feel like he needs to. Yeah. He he needs to his... he needs to show off the hair. I think that is part of, part of John Middleton's aesthetic, and it's really. It was it's, it's fit, it fits him the most, and I kind of want his haircut. So, who doesn't? <laughs> Good point. But yeah, speaking of hair, things like that. Joe Girardi came in to his interview with what looked like a fedora and a picture posted by John Clark. Johnny, do you have anything to to say about uh, Joe Girardi potentially coming to a job interview with a fedora? And you know why does that reek so much of a thing Gabe Kapler would do? Do you think the Phillies are just looking for another Gabe Kapler ended 
Are they really just looking for <laughs> what they've already had? Listen, first of all, uh, for those of you who haven't seen the picture, I suggest you look for the picture. Because it does not look like he's wearing a fedora. It just looks like some like weird shadows in the car that he's driving in. It's very hard to tell. I, me and Ty were texting about this earlier. He's convinced it's a fedora. I don't know. And even so, coming to a job interview in a fedora takes takes a lot of uh, something to pull that off. I, I wouldn't be able to pull it off. I don't know if you'd be able to pull it off. but You know, I think wearing a fedora to that interview would kind of, you know, be a testament as to to what kind of manager I think Girardi would be. Um, I think he, I think he's just the kind of baller that would roll up with a fedora. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And kind of like the last baller that would roll up in a fedora, Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I mean, who are better? I, I want anybody who's listening to this podcast, you know, I want you to leave an Apple review or... Let us know on Twitter who rocks a fedora better, Gabe Kapler or Joe Girardi. Yeah. My money is on Gabe. Yeah, I would tend to agree, but that's mostly because I don't think Girardi was wearing a fedora. But real talk, Girardi, I think, is is just such a good... He's the ideal choice. I don't think either of us wanted them to fire Gabe. Um, I think, I don't know about you, I was a little disheartened that they didn't look anywhere outside of these three guys, you know, um, at the press conference a couple weeks ago, after they fired Kapler, Middleton said they, they would be open to anyone. They wouldn't be looking for specifically someone with experience. Said they wanted to, they were open to, you know, discovering the new Craig Council, the next Craig Council. And just the fact that they said, all right, we're going to interview three guys, don't have to look anywhere else. It's a little discouraging, but I think Girardi's the right guy if, if this is there. Yeah, I, I agree that it, it is kind of disheartening that they wouldn't look elsewhere. Elsewhere, You know, maybe they had looked a little bit and just decided not to interview any of those guys, you know. But it, it's definitely not surprising that, that Buck Walter, Dusty Baker, and Joe Girardi are, are their guys, really. But, um, yeah. yeah, but do you think by next episode, if they have a manager... Well, well, sorry, do you think by next episode they will have a manager, and who do you think it'll be? If I were to guess, I would say yes, Girardi, just by um, all the signs are kind of pointing that way, but won't know until we know. Yeah, I, I, I would agree um, with with everything you just said right there. I think that, that Girardi will be the guy, and that he'll probably have a job by the time we record next week. But moving yeah. on, uh, World Series is going on. Right now, uh, you know, we're recording on Tuesday night. You'll probably be listening on Wednesday. Game one is tonight. Johnny, you have any World Series, you know, topics you want to talk about? You know, before we talk about the World Series, I just want to say, um, if you look back, beginning of October, late September, I did my World Series bracket. I picked Nationals Astros, so, you know, kind of a big deal. But... Back then, I had the Astros winning it all. Right now, I'm leaning towards the Nationals because they're wow. scorching hot. Um, and, you know, I, I could definitely go either way. I think on paper, the Astros are a much better team, probably because they won 14 more games and have a super deep lineup, and their pitching is at least as good as Washington's. But I don't know. It's going to be a really fun series. Yeah, I, 
you're right about the Astros having a much better record during the regular season. But if you look at their numbers since the end of May or so, they're they're really close to yeah. to being at that same pace. I believe the Astros since that date had the best record in the AL, and the Nationals were tied for the best record in the NL or something yeah. like that. Or they're I, just I saw behind the Dodgers along those lines too. Yeah. So you know, since their poor start, the Nationals really have been playing some of the best baseball in the MLB. So seeing them win shouldn't be a shock to anybody, especially because they do have three legitimate number one type of pitchers. The Astros have three of those guys as well. Grinky hasn't really been pitching like one as of late, but their other two guys are so good that it kind of makes they up for it. They haven't lost a Garrett Cole start since like the middle of July. How is that possible? <laughs> That's crazy. I don't think the Phillies won an Aaron Nola start since the middle of July. Feels that way. <laughs> I mean, maybe that says something about Aaron Nola, but we'll get into that oh, later. Oh, all right. <laughs> Fake ace. All right. No, I don't know if I don't know if I really believe that, but it is, it is kind of uh, just a testament to show, you know, there are ace type of pitchers in the league like Grinky, like Aaron Nola, guys like that. Garrett Cole is in a completely different tier. He's the aces. He's the ace of all aces. And yeah. he, he's so good. I don't I don't see I see the Astros winning tonight because I don't see them losing any Garrett Cole starts. Yeah. But what do you what do you think about the the Nationals uh, just to touch up on the World Series um a little bit more? What what do you think about the Nationals going with uh Scherzer for game one? Uh you know, I, I think Strasburg has been pitching really well all postseason and in his career in the postseason but i'm a big scherzer guy and i just think i don't think you can go wrong i don't like they could have picked strasburg they picked scherzer i I don't think either of those is a bad choice um because they're both just like you said bona fide aces yeah um i'm gonna disagree with you there because i think it is clearly a bad choice because strasburg has been so much better than scherzer and you should go with your best guy for game one, get him in the series as much as you can. I think Steven Strasburg should be starting this game, especially going up against Garrett Cole. Maybe I turn out to be wrong and, and Scherzer can you know mess around and get this win. But if you want to win the series, it doesn't matter what past history tells you. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what Scherzer has done in his career. Stras- Strasburg is a better pitcher at this moment, and I think that yeah. he should be the guy starting tonight. That's certainly fair, but like I said, I mean, I'm just I'm a big Max Scherzer guy, so I know he hasn't been like super great of late, but he, I mean, he pitched pretty well in the NLCS. Um, and I'm that's I'm true, that's true. Excited. So, so you said you your pick for the World Series, you have the Nationals. That's in seven. I have the Astros in six, but I would prefer that it go seven. I I want this to be yeah. a really good yeah. World Series. Playoffs have been awesome so far. I know. I mean, the NLCS wasn't great, but the ALCS was pretty fun. Um, the NLCS, it wasn't. It wasn't great, but it was also like a good story to see the this team that has been so plagued in the postseason for them to sweep to go to the World Series. So even though yeah. the games might not have been the best, it was still a really good story. Yeah, I and, agree with that. And yeah. the the divisional rounds were all amazing, other than Twins Yankees. Oh, yeah, agreed, agreed. It's so. been a really, really good uh, postseason so far, and yeah. I feel like most of the postseasons 
in the last few years have been really good. So This has been an awesome decade for playoff baseball. I mean, even thinking back to like 2011 with David Freeze and, you know, all, all these moments, the Rajay Davis home run, you know, countless, countless things that have happened in the past. Yeah, the, the Dodgers-Astros game, Astros. that back and forth oh, game, the Rajay Davis five, home run. Right. Yeah, game five. Um, thinking back, the Freeze one, even Roy Halladay, uh, you know, Chris yeah. Carpenter, things oh. like that. It has Why are you going to talk about that, Ty? This is a Listen, Phillies podcast. I know it's a Phillies podcast, but that was an incredible game. Yeah. But my, my 12-year-old self still will not get over that. Yeah. Uh, moving on, anyway, <laughs> now, that, now that I got Johnny, you know, a little bit sad, uh, we'll move into the offseason, and let's talk about... Let's talk about Scott Kingery. This is somebody who Johnny has a little bit to say about. And, uh, you know, they're entering the Phillies a big offseason with a lot of holes on their roster. And a lot of people think that Scott Kingery may be able to to fill one of those holes. But, but Johnny has some questions about Kingery before he's ready to completely pencil him in for next season. Johnny, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, so um, I think... Obviously, the first half of the season, Kingery was awesome. And, you know, coming off of a horrible rookie season, he was one of the worst qualified base players in baseball last year. And it was really awesome to see him break out, you know, playing different positions, filling out third base uh, and center field, um, wherever he was needed. But um, I don't think it's talk. We talk all the time about how bad Reese Hoskins was the last second half of the season. I don't think we talk enough about what happened to Scott Kingery. During the same span, um, his last 77 games this year, he slashed 220 with a 284 on base percentage and a 395 slugging. It's a 679 OPS. That's you know not good. Um, and and I think the most glaring thing for him is he struck out 29.4 percent of of his at bats this year. That's really really bad to see. His whiff percentage is high. Um, and while yes, that's something that um, you can fix, but it's not easy. It's not like, oh, he'll come back next year and that'll be better. I, I, I don't think it's that easy. I mean, before I move any further, what do you think about Scott Kingery, um, how, he, how he played this year? Are we over, overrating how, how good of a season he had? Yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say that we've overrated it a little bit because the strikeouts have been so, so prominent from from Kingery the last two years. I'm hoping that it's something that he can fix, but I don't know if I'm completely sold on it. He, you know, it is only his second season in the majors, but I, I don't know if that's something that, you know, a lot of guys really necessarily do improve on. Sometimes yeah. you just are what you are. I think that Scott Kingery's contract and his defensive versatility and his, you know, his overall offensive, uh, you know, competency this season that he showed at least. You know, maybe his uh, numbers were a little bit inflated, but overall he seemed to be offensively competent. Yeah. Um, added with his defensive versatility, I think that makes him a really good, a really solid and valuable player. And I don't know if that's something always worth to trade. I know a lot of teams do see the value in, in his particular skill set, but I think that's also something that's very valuable for the Phillies, especially because they have certain holes 
with in center field, third base, and potentially second base if they deem Cesar Hernandez's um, you know, arbitration number to be too high. And Scott Kingery is very capable of taking over any three of those positions, in my opinion. So, you know, even if it's in a platoon and he has to play all three at different times, uh, that's something that's really valuable, and I don't know. I don't know if it... I don't know. I don't know exactly what to take of this, yeah. but I I don't think I that the Phillies should be giving up on him or anything like oh, that. Oh, absolutely not. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying that at all. I, I think, like you said, he can play several positions. Um, he showed a lot of pop at the plate, and he had some really good stretches, especially, I mean, he carried the team. I mean, the team wasn't good in June, but the games they did win, a lot of them were because of Scott Kingery. Um, and that contract, it's it's a very valuable contract. Um, so so I'm not saying anything about you know they should give up on him, but the one thing I will say, he's got that contract. Um, he had, like I said, some good moments this year, and um, you can play several positions, and that is something that is really valuable on the trade market, and you know. We were talking before this, and we disagree on on the value that Reese Hoskins might hold. Um, I think a first baseman slash DH won't land you, you know, a, a really good young starter on the trade market. I just think, um, um, even though you know Hoskins has a really special eye, he's coming off a, a a pretty horrible season, and guys like power hitting first basemen and, and DHs are are not the hardest thing to find, but um, Kingery, now that's someone who you can trade for a really good starting pitcher, um, and that's kind of where this, where the, my thought process here started is is kid on on the Indians, Aaron Savali, who's just so good. And I was trying to think of how the Phillies could trade for him, and that's when I started thinking about Kingery. And like I said, don't give up on Scott Kingery, but if if something arises where you can get a really awesome starting pitcher, I would not be opposed trading him because it's not he's not amazing you know there there are those glaring holes there in his game right now yeah the you know you mentioned trading scott kingery for a guy like uh savali but how do you think then that they would be able to fill up the holes they have at at a center field third base and possibly second then because i know well, there's, there's pitching holes but i feel like it's just easier to kind of patch that up in free agency more than move one of your more long-term pieces and then you're just left with more holes in the field. Sure. I mean, I, and I, I agree with that, but I don't think there's a guarantee that they're going to get, you know, a Cole or a Strasburg uh, this offseason. And um, you, that might leave them having to overpay for someone like Jake Odorizzi, who, frankly, I don't think is is going to be worthy of a, of, of a big contract this offseason. And um, there are plenty of short stops and, and, third baseman and, and you can fill those holes how you need i'm not saying this is something they should pursue as their for their priority their first plan of action uh this offseason but i do think they need to get creative um or like one of the ways that they could build a, a really good team is getting creative and just thinking about a rotation with nola spencer ha- Aaron nola, spencer howard savali um maybe zach Eflin, depending on how you feel about him and then if you can land Garrett Cole, even if not, just having a, a core, a really good starting pitching core locked up for the next four or five years is just so tempting. 
Do you think there is a realistic chance that they would make a trade like that, or is this more of a pipe dream in your head, do you think? Uh, probably more of a pipe dream in my head. Like I said, I'm, I'm just always intrigued in the idea of, of a team getting really creative with, with their maneuvers. Um, I don't think the Phillies would trade Kingery. I think it probably the public re- reception of that wouldn't wouldn't be great. And while you'd say, well, who cares what the public reception is? I mean, the, they definitely take that into account. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's actually going to happen, but, you know. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, we're talking about the offseason right now. Uh, talking a little bit about Savali, but who on this episode would you choose as your Phillies target that you want to talk about? Right. Um, so last week you picked someone who was on the Phillies uh, last year. I'm going to pick someone who was on the Phillies last year. And my pick is um, Brad Miller. He was not great for for a good stretch, but, you know, um, down the stretch, he had that. He got really hot. He's not going to cost anything, really. And it's it's not you know to be your starting third baseman or any anything like that. But to have him as a, a lefty bat off the bench, I think I think there's something there. Um, he just showed so much pop. And um, I mean, what do you think about Brad Miller? Yeah, this is something we talked about a little bit. Um, he he really hit the ball super hard for the Phillies this year. Um, not everything worked out the best but I believe um you know I don't know if it ended the season this way but in September I tweeted something he uh he led the team in hard hit percentage and and that's something that's super important especially from a bench bat because with limited amount of at bats you're not always going to be able to control exactly how your batted balls go but, uh, you know, if you're hitting the ball hard, there's more of a chance that it's going to work out for you. And I think that's something that Brad Miller is super good at. And I think that the Phillies, they definitely need to, to keep him around because I think he is he's a valuable piece that somebody else would definitely, uh, sw- you know, sweep up if, if they did not keep him. And I, I do think, I think that they should and will keep him around. Yeah. I agree. Um, um, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, so um, the guy, the guy that I wanted to talk about uh, as a potential Phillies target, this one is assuming that Cesar Hernandez will be non-tendered by the Phillies because his arbitration number will be a little too high uh, for the Phillies to probably tender him. But um, the guy I want to talk about is. Scooter Jeanette, you know, he's just two years removed. Um, sorry, one one season removed from an all-star appearance. Uh, he's been, other than 2019, he's been really solid the last few years. Uh, I believe he battled injuries this year. He only played about 40 games. Um, he's another guy that, that hits the ball hard uh, from the second base position, too. So... He, uh, coming off a, a kind of banged up, not so good year, I think he'd be pretty cheap for the Phillies. Uh, he, I think he would serve as a, a pretty good second baseman for them if they move on from Cesar Hernandez. All right, all right. Now hear me out for a second. First of all, I I really like Scooter Jeanette. Um, yeah, like this year was just battling injuries and and he wasn't great when he he was in, but 
like you said, one year removed from a really good season. He was awesome in 2017, too. So, you know, you can put Scooter Jeanette at second. You can sign a guy like Moustakis for third, and then you can trade Kingery for Aaron Savali. I mean, you could. I don't, and then, I don't hate it. Yeah. I Listen, I, we already talked about how this is just a pipe dream. I'm just, you know, intrigued. But, um, guys listening to the podcast, I don't think Johnny will fall in love with a Cleveland Indians pitcher every episode. It's just <laughs> been that way for the first two. Uh, we'll see. They, there are a lot of pitchers in that staff to fall in love with. Yeah, they, yeah. they do have a ton of pitching, which, you know, maybe that makes a trade likely, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the Phillies would They're, necessarily that's, see, that's, on it. That's also the thing. They're going to trade a pitcher. They uh, have to. Yeah, I would agree with that. But, you know, the last two last two episodes, you've, you know, the Phillies are trading for two of their pitchers, so. Listen, let's talk, we'll talk about Clevenger next week. All right, sounds good. Episode. Clevenger next week. All right. Um, yeah, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Uh, stat of the, interesting stat of the week we have for you guys. Uh, Johnny, why don't you go first since you're the big stats guy here? All right. So uh, my stat has to do with Zach Eflin. I tweeted this last week, but um, I just thought it was kind of interesting. So I thought it'd be a, a pretty good stat for this episode. So if we were to split Zach Eflin's season into four parts, because uh, he he started 28 games. So the first seven starts, 42 innings pitched, 3, 3.00 ERA, and, a, and hitters had a 685 OPS against him. That's really good numbers. Probably good enough to be a, a number two, number three. Next seven starts, again, really good numbers. 44 innings pitched, 2.66 ERA, um, point, or uh, 667 OPS against. Now, the next seven starts is where he fell apart. Um, only 31.1 innings pitched, so that's you know just over four innings per start. 9.77 ERA, so he got blown up and a, a 1,062 OPS against. Um, so he great. got blown up a little bit during that stretch, but then his final seven starts, 41.1 in, 41 and a third innings pitch, uh, 2.83 ERA and a 685 OPS again. So my point here is that, you know, if we, if we I know it's you know arbitrary endpoints and all that, but if we split his season into, into four parts, three of those parts were really good, you know, three ERA or below, um, an OPS against under 700. Uh, so I think... We talked about it a little bit last week, but I think he's a shoe-in uh, for the rotation next year, and I think, um, you know, he is pretty good, and he could definitely be a part of this team's future. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about what you're thinking uh, about Zach Eflin going into next season. Like you said, I agree he's a shoe-in for the rotation, unless you know extremely drastic things happen, like they sign something like three aces or something yeah. trade for Aaron Savali, you know yeah I <laughs> unless really drastic things happen I think that that Zach Eflin will be in the rotation what are you expecting from him next season and uh you know results wise and kind of something that I talked to you about the other day was uh you know using his four seamer versus his sinker it seemed that he had success early on using the four seamer he went away from it and then he had success again at the end of the year using the sinker. Um, what do you what do you think 
is the right kind of plan for Zach Eflin? You know, I'm not sure exactly uh, because, like he himself said, he was a lot more comfortable using his singer. But I think there's this common misconception out there that he was using his sinker in the beginning of the season and it was working really well and then Chris Young tried to make him do something else and that was when he was really bad. That's not how it happened. Eflin was really good for his first 12 or 14 starts and it was when he was doing what Chris Young was telling him to do. Um, and then obviously he fell off a cliff and then he came back with the sinker. So I think um, probably the more sustainable way to pitch in this league is using the fastball up um you know and i think with eflin this this obviously is something a lot of pitchers rely on every pitcher but his fastball location is just so important because he doesn't have that breaking ball he doesn't have a plus breaking ball i mean his slider is is it even average i mean um so so i mean what what do you what do you think about about how he should be pitching in the future yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a four-seam fastball league more than ever. You know, sinker the sinker really is dead. You see a lot of guys that, that were sinker ballers, they're either, you know, fading out or they're moving to throwing that four-seam fastball. You know, guys like Charlie Morton, people like that. And I, I'm not saying that if Zach Eflin just throws his four-seam fastball, he's going to become Charlie Morton. But I think that in the beginning of the season we saw – what Zach Eflin could be if he could really control that that forcing fastball. And like you said, I really liked that point you made right there uh, about Chris Young because he's – I don't know if he's a good pitching coach. I don't think anyone really does because nobody really knows what goes on, uh, you know, in the clubhouse or whatever. But if he was right about one thing, I think it was that Zach Eflin forcing fastball – and we saw good results from it early on in the season. And I think that's something that Eflin really needs to focus in on. Uh, I understand why he kind of went back to the sinker at the end of the season. I don't think it was the best thing to do, but I understand, you know, when things aren't working, you want to go back to what you're comfortable with. But if Zach Eflin wants to be a really good starting pitcher in this league, I think, you know, kind of mastering that four-seamer up in the zone is a thing that he needs to really learn. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right, moving on. You got a stat for us, Ty? I do have a stat for you. I'm not going to lie. I forgot to make a stat, and then Johnny fed me this one. But <laughs> but here it is. It's about Aaron Nola. Batters had an 841 OPS against Aaron Nola the third time through the order. And beyond the home runs and walks, it was the biggest difference between Nola last season and this season. Johnny typed all that. I just read it because I forgot yeah. about a stat. But yeah. but Aaron Nola, you know, uh, like like I just said, third time through the order, he was not very good. Um, that that was the biggest one of the biggest differences between his really ace like season in 2018 versus his fake ace season in 2019. He he was just not good enough to be a team's, you know. Let listen. Let let me kind of backtrack here. Wait. Are you, are you going to call Pete McCannon right? Is that, what about, is that what's about to happen? I'm not going to say Pete McCannon <laughs> was right, but, you know, uh, there are a ton of issues with the Phillies starting rotation. But also, I don't think the way Aaron Nola pitched in 2019 is good enough to be uh, the ace of your team. Did, would you agree with that? 
I agree 100 percent and just just for reference um just because ty didn't didn't mention this you know hitters had an 841 ops against him third time through the order this year last year was a 540 ops third time through the order so he's much more effective at you know pitching deep into games you know i think this this year we saw a lot of times he would um you know look really good through five or six innings and then kind of just fall apart um so that's like you said um you know, he did have that really good stretch in July and August. He looked the closest to his, you know, 2018 self as, you know, he ever had. But the, that first month and that last month, it was it was just not good. And overall, it was not an ace-level year for Aaron Nola. I completely agree with that. Yeah, another thing that, con- that concerns me with Aaron Nola, um, like I said, I was kind of joking earlier when I called him a fake ace. I'm not ready to call him, you know, Matt Harvey or whatever yet. Oh God! But, Why did you say that? Because oh. because when you think of fake ace, I've uh, I've heard oh. a ton of people call Matt Harvey a fake ace. So well, Matt that, Harvey was a was like an actual fake ace because he was horrible. I don't want Aaron Nola to be. But listen, here's the thing oh. about Aaron Nola. Gosh, Matt Harvey. If you want, if you're gonna be an ace of a team, you know, if you want to be Garrett Cole or someone like that, you need to pitch well in the postseason, correct? Like, right. not only the regular season, you need to pitch well in October. Aaron Nola seems to have the inability to pitch in the cold, and that's something that really concerns me, because if the Phillies are to ever make the playoffs, how is the ace of their team not going to be able to pitch in, you know, chilly weather? That, I, I know this is something to worry about, you know, really far away from now, <laughs> at least a year from now, but it's still something that, that concerns me while we're on the topic. Yeah, definitely. And to build on your point, well, obviously, we know he fell apart in September last year, in 2018, um, when it you know starts to chill chill out a little bit, um, get colder. This year, Nola in March and April, he had a 5.68 ERA, allowed 1.77 home runs per nine. From May to August, he was pretty good. 2.96 ERA, less than a home run per nine innings. You know, not all the way back to his 2018 self, but he was, that's pretty close to ace level numbers, right? In September, fell apart again, got colder, 6.51 ERA, 1.63 home runs per nine. So, there, you know, people always say, oh, he's a, he's a warm weather pitcher. The facts, the, the data, the stats, they really back that up. So, yeah, that is a little bit concerning when you think about the Phillies playing playoff baseball. But, honestly, are we sure they're going to be playing playoff baseball anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's never an issue because maybe the Phillies never play in October ever. So, you know. Oh, great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't see them making the playoffs next year. What about you? Oh, well, yeah, they have to have a perfect postseason. Like, I don't think it's going to be as easy to get, you know, I already said this earlier, to get a Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg. I mean, a, Cole. A perfect, a perfect offseason, you mean? What did I say? Postseason. Uh, yeah, perfect offseason, my bad. You're good. Uh, but, you know, it already looks like Cole's going to go to the Angels. Um, who knows what Strasburg's going to do. Maybe he doesn't even opt out. He's due $45 million in, like, 2024. Yeah, but what? he's not due that much next year. Right? The, no, the I know. He'll, he'll, he'll opt out. He'll opt out. But I don't know. A lot has to go right for the Phillies this offseason. I don't know if I trust that things will. But they could. Yeah, I... I don't know. I know our my super early postseason 
2020 predictions, or not not postseason predictions, but NL East predictions, I still see the Phillies finishing in fourth place. Wow. Wow. I can't say anything like that. I got to see how things stack up. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I mean, once when, when Brody's managing the Mets, you think he's going to manage them to a third place record? I'd say first place. All right. All right. Uh, no, that's I don't know. I don't know. It's way too early to talk about any way of that. Way too early. Way too early. Um, this kind of final impromptu thing that I want to talk to you about here. Um, you have any predictions for the pitching coach or anybody you want? Uh, I I want Mickey Calloway. Yeah, I want Mickey Calloway. I think not only is he was a good pitching coach for the Indians. They, you know, they have a really good rotation and they've they've talked pretty highly of him. But I also think it'd be hilarious, which is super important, because I think you know, you need you need some entertainment. Yeah. And I would love, I would also love for Joe Girardi to get thrown out of some games, so that we can have manager Mickey Calloway again. Listen, Mickey Calloway reuniting him with Corey Kluber is going to be a big storyline this year in Philadelphia. Corey Kluber, Mickey Calloway back together again. Bank on it. Bank on it. <laughs> All right. This has been the Phillies Nation podcast. I am Ty Daubert for Johnny Heller. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.